Save the Tanga too. Save Mornington Peninsula from me and you. Welcome. This podcast is coming to you from Down Under, or more specifically, Bunurong Country. That's right at the bottom of mainland Australia, just above Tassie. Our little portion of Bunurong Country is called the Mornington Peninsula, which is part of the growing Melbourne city sprawl. The Mornington Peninsula is where the bush meets the bay, and it has rich biodiversity. But, as with any idyllic seaside spot, that biodiversity is under threat from human interference. This podcast will explore the wildlife and environment on the Mornington Peninsula. We'll take a look at how we can best protect what is left and minimise future threats. We hope you stick around. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm chatting with Dirk Jansen, President, Mornington Peninsula Koala Conservation Group. So how many koalas are left on the peninsula? Yeah, if only we knew. So that's one of the key questions that we're trying to answer oh, with the Mornington Peninsula Shire, with our local council over the next number of years. So they've now partnered with uh, Deakin University to uh, count and Good survey koala um, koalas on the peninsula. We don't know how many we've got. We They've done a distribution study before, so we know roughly where they are but we don't know how many we don't know the size of the population at the moment at all we just know anecdotally Mm -hmm. from wildlife carers and just local residents that they're declining so our wildlife carers are saying now they're getting at least you know probably up to just only half of the koalas that they use to get into care each year they're seeing now so um it's definitely you know a significant so signs are saying they're dropping off I, I, I could I saw that you've, you're setting up something on iNaturalist, aren't you? Yes. So and it can people, be a citizen count. Yes. So we have, in the last four years, have collected close to 800 sightings of koalas, dead or alive, so roadkill included, yep. on the Mornington Peninsula. How many? Um, it, but close to 800. So how many do you reckon so, this? It could be 1,500 um, maybe or something like that. No, look, a lot of them also are the same koala that, are, yeah, of course. You, know, that you see. Yeah. But over the... Over time, yeah. so we've we've I'll recorded about eight hundred different sightings, um, all over the um, the Mornington Peninsula. Actually, it's amazing sometimes where they pop up. Yeah, but it does give us really good data on where they are, not the population they, when size. When you say they but, pop up, you, do they travel much? So, like the male travels. Oh yeah. So we have sometimes they, for example, enter the Esso refinery or the the factories around Hastings because there's bushland around yep. Hastings and they do sometimes end up in the factories and climb up the poles. But in the, they in travel the far from... Um, yeah. yeah, and that koala was actually then rescued, tagged by a wildlife oh, carer. Yeah. And then, so they know where it went then. Yeah, and then 18 months later was picked up on the Mornington Peninsula freeway near Mount Martha because it was wow. clipped by a car. Um, it survived, had a dislocated hip, but it survived. But it pretty much crossed the entire peninsula from Hastings on yeah, the western port side all the way to, um, to Port Phillip Bay. So that's what... 30, 40 kilometres. So that's a male looking for a yes. pa- partner yeah. maybe. It's generally the males that Probably travel. an ugly male that yeah. really <laughs> They do. Far and wide. Um, that's part of the issue is it's this vicious circle of the more you fragment the landscape and mm. the more you remove bushland and leave smaller and smaller patches of, of bush left, the further they need to travel for food, for mm. mates, 
you know, for just for resources. And they've got a path, they they've got roads yeah. to go across. They've got these big high fences they can't get across. Yeah, so roads, cattle, dogs. Dogs. Fences. Could yeah. you say, you know, you add up all these roads, cattle. I mean, how does that compare to just the urban, urban sprawl though? Is that, you know? Yeah, it's a problem. Look, you can, I'm convinced that, um, and it's proven when you look at sort of the towns along Western Port Bay, there's koalas that live very, very happily in suburbia. As long as you keep the speed limits down, mm. generally traffic volumes low-ish, and you have enough tree canopy and the right type of fencing, they can actually live very happily, and they do very happily live in in it comes back to backyards. It comes back to like what you said, though. You lived in Seaford. I'm sure you went down the peninsula. And you had no knowledge that the koalas were down here. Correct. How many people come down from Melbourne? It's not their fault. They yeah. don't know there's what they the don't new. Know. They don't know to drive forty k or, you yeah. know, first yeah. gear. And a lot of the landholders already think that they're extinct and that they've gone, mm. you know, because they haven't seen one in a in a long time. But that couldn't be further from the, from the truth. So that's definitely something tourists and residents alike. We need to raise awareness and we need to tell people that most of their available habitat is on private land and it is a community effort. Really. And what about uh, global warming? Is that the koalas, are they caught up in any of that? Yeah, definitely. Big, so Big furry coat, <laughs> perfect for the snow. Yeah, and look, um, <laughs> it, it does, the, the furry coat protects them from the heat as much as it does from the cold, but only to a certain extent. So climate change is actually an issue for them on a lot of different levels. So one is heat waves. They can handle a day of 40 degrees and maybe two days of 40 they degrees. They get stressed after a while. They do get stressed, you know, after a while. If it's 35 plus, you often see them also hugging the trunk oh. of the tree because um, it keeps their belly cool. So the tree actually helps cool Cooler. the koala down. So are they um, getting their water from the leaves? They Well, that's the other issue. So they do obtain most of their moisture through gum leaves. Yeah. But in droughts, and generally through heat waves, the gum tree leaves have a lot less moisture in them, which means the koala then also needs to search for water. And, um, you know, that can be an issue. So, um, and the chemical makeup of the leaves actually changes with climate change. So they become more toxic and they may not actually be palatable to koalas anymore. You know, Dirk, I'm finding that sound quite nice now. I'm quite liking it. <laughs> I'm getting used to it. Like, I don't know, it must be the female koala inside me. <laughs> it's how, growing on you. <laughs> how do our listeners get involved with you and your group? Like, how do I get involved right now? Can I give you money? Can I just somehow plant trees? <laughs> sure. Look, um, money always helps, but it's definitely <laughs> not the only thing. There's so many ways that you can get involved. So, um the first thing is we just need to raise awareness and people need to know that koalas need our help and that, you know, we need to protect their habitat at all cost. So uh, that's the first thing. Koalas are also like an umbrella species. Correct. So you're helping a koala, you're helping everything underneath the koala. Any other species that rely yeah. on the same forest habitat. Yeah. So you're, so I'm, yeah. I'm interviewing a lot of other groups like birds and kangaroos. You're really on top of all of them, representing all of them, aren't you? Well, maybe at least the forested <laughs> animals. <laughs> um, look, You're up the top. <laughs> it's just as important to protect our grasslands and our 
coastal shrub and you know coastlines um our oceans but definitely any um australian animals that rely on forests the koala definitely is an umbrella species so i'm a victorian government person right now listening to this podcast and my mates all the members of the mornington peninsula how can i help oh look the the key thing that we need to achieve on the mornington peninsula is that the town planning um regulations need to change at the moment it's too easy for people to remove native vegetation one reason is also bushfires so there's bushfire overlays that allow you at the moment to clear vegetation um almost as much as you want on most properties so if someone um, subdivides a 50 acre block into 10 5 acre blocks and people put it on and they all want no they all put houses on there and they then get rid of all the trees around the house there's no trees left yes yeah there's uh. no trees left people are scared of bushfires the uh, the conflict there is that the more trees you remove, the more moisture you move you remove from the environment, meaning you're actually more likely to get grass fires or bushfires mm. because the environment is drier and drier and drier. Mm. Trees retain moisture in the environment. Mm. Um, but on the flip side, people are scared of bushfires, so they remove them. So it's, it's this catch-22, and we just need to educate people that trees are not actually your enemy when it comes to bushfires um, grass fires are just as dangerous and destructive um, and yeah. we need to try and retain shade and moisture you know in the environment as we much should, as we can we should take the word bush out of bushfires just call them fires yes <laughs> that's, <laughs> stop that's ripping the bush right. out so look that's one thing awareness is one thing our town planning rules are on private property are definitely an issue and you know we need to move to more sustainable development um, wherever possible but i'm not anti-development i know we need development mm. well you I, mentioned earlier that koalas can't live inside a correct environment yes i believe we can do both yeah, and it's also not Put, put it on the table at the development stage. Yeah, and I don't yeah. look. I don't like this polarizing of issues. You can do f sustainable farming. We're smart enough to know what to do for sustainable development. It's not one or the other. We can happily live, you know, alongside nature. If we can't do it, we can at least try to do it. That's right. Yep. So, what about other people that aren't? Yeah, they're just the, that live down here or live nearby and come to and love the peninsula. Yeah, so look, if you're if you're a tourist or a visitor to the Mornington Peninsula, you can always volunteer. There's you know many many events. So how do I volunteer? Um, you can sign up and become a member of our group, for example. Go to your website or go to our website yep. mpkoalas.org.au, and that will be on this podcast, so you can just click on it. Yeah. So on the and description part, you can um, very happily volunteer. Of course, you can donate to us. Um, you know, or to other land care groups that um, so you're are doing a land amazing care work. We are part okay. of land care. Um, so you've got the land care tick. Yeah, and there's um, there's a lot of events um, that, that you can get involved in. There's also a lot of different activities. So apart from just planting trees, we're also maintaining areas in our um, parks and um, reserves because, um, for example, we need to remove invasive weeds so that they yeah. don't take over and that native vegetation is actually retained. Yep. We also just do nature walks and talks and presentations and, again, just sharing knowledge. So I love it. There's a lot of different I have met involved. some of the people from the group and they're really they're really active and really – Oh, yeah, fantastic. You it's know, worth uh, – yep. People are really engaged and, and really into it. Uh, the other easy thing that you can do is if you do see a koala, actually report it to us because the data is really valuable valuable to us to know where they are. So get in yeah. contact with you and understand how, how to be part of it. What yes. if I'm interstate? Oh, look, um, 
the easiest thing obviously to do is to to donate to us again but also raise awareness there's many many other groups in uh, australia that do exactly the same thing and that um try and help our koalas so in queensland and new south wales koalas actually are classed as vulnerable and they may actually be threatened very I, soon i saw somewhere there was a koala um, hospital somewhere yeah, we we have koala hospitals. There's one in, in a famous one in Port Macquarie, but also um, on the Mornington Peninsula, we have one in Tyab. Um, I don't Kera, want to have a whinge, who, but I've been waiting two years to get my shoulder fixed, and I'm, I see these koalas getting straight in there with a sore head. Oh, uh, they get very well looked after. <laughs> but we don't have one down here, do we? Uh, in Tyab, we do. Oh, so sorry, you said that Tyab. Yeah, there oh. is a, a carer who specializes in oh, cool. in koalas, so and we call it the koala hospital. Um, okay. In type, she's Jenny. She's fantastic. Wow. Uh, we also have another koala group in the Yuyangs, west of Melbourne. So if you live on the western side of of Melbourne, there's lots of volunteering and tree planting going on in uh, around Werribee and Little River. Um, so it's like the fringe of Melbourne is really fighting back to protect their remaining wildlife. Yeah, we call yeah. it the green wedge zones all oh, around green. Melbourne. Yep. They are under a lot of pressure from urbanisation and if we want to retain koalas and wildlife close to Melbourne, uh, we need to focus on protecting that so habitat. you have an online store. If I'm overseas, are you saying I'm able to buy a koala? Yeah, we have lots of merchandise. Lots of <laughs> Straight from French Island? You just ship? That's oh, fine. just merchandise or a proper koala? Um Maybe just merchandise. <laughs> I don't know that we can sell live koalas. But this one on the table, that's virtually life-size, isn't it? Almost, yeah. Um, and look, we, we have you know lots of merchandise for, for that supports. people. So what do you do with the money you get in? Um, all of it goes towards our projects. Very, very little admin. We're all volunteers. We have no paid members in our group. Um, <laughs> most of our funds go either to raising awareness or to uh, planting trees. Planting and trees. Vegetating. Yeah. You know, and when you plant trees, you know, what's the biggest cost of planting trees? Unfortunately, it's the tree guards. Oh, I hate I, them. I wish we didn't. They look like rubbish guards. bins, I reckon. I, it is. I'm um, challenging the world to just put stakes in there and have no tree guards. Yes. And Save us some all areas money. absolutely can do it. As soon as you've got rabbits or. Yeah, rabbits, true. Wallabies. Yeah. And, um, I love wallabies, but. You know, I do too, but. Not when we plant trees. Yeah. <laughs> they do, <laughs> no, they do tend to eat them. You're and also the. One um, to Dirk. Yeah, <laughs> and also the um, the young gum trees in particular, they're really brittle, so they break easily even in the wind. But look, I wish we didn't need tree guards. They're the biggest cost and also the biggest time factor when you when you plant trees. Mm. And, and and they do get left behind 20 years later because the people who plant them, you know, if, say if someone say, like my age, I'm 62, if I plant a tree now, do I remember it at 95 to pull out the plant? Maybe not. Yeah, and that's one of the issues. So we're trying to move to more biodegradable tree guards um, yeah. that actually do and It's not disappear. a big deal. It takes 20 minutes to pick up 20 years later after. I know. But it, I they, know. they do sit there for a while. So let's plant the planet. And if you're overseas, you can get involved with buying things online, if, in support us. Um, then we've got a new little koala that's got our logo on it. It's that's so right. cute. I think Dirk's gonna doesn't want to. He's gonna buy the whole stock. I think that's right. <laughs> and um, look, share our our photos and stories on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, just help us spread the word and raise awareness. Really, uh, the future thing to do is a snap send solve. 
Yes, um, we do use Snaps and Solve a little bit to report where native vegetation is being removed and to check whether or not a permit exists or whether or not the council needs to step in. I'd encourage everyone to... And also for accidents, possibly for... Yeah, for you can use it for roadkill. Um, yeah. I'd probably prefer that people report roadkill directly to us so because, yeah. because we, we can record it. Yeah, Snaps and Solve is a good way of just telling the council what is going on in the community because um, often they don't know. So, Dirk, your feeling, I know you said before this is a now's the time, like you feel as though it's a really positive moment. Yeah, and look, there's so many challenges when it comes to our environment, but I think the one thing that I do want to stress is the key reason why our wildlife is disappearing, and that includes koalas, is because their habitat is disappearing. So, First and foremost, we need to protect and increase their habitat and then deal with secondary problems like roadkill, disease. But on the plus side, you're saying there's an ear with government right now? Absolutely, yeah. Local government? Think, uh, local government you know, are very, very engaged. Um, they are aware. They do know that we need to what we need to do to protect our wildlife. But there's bigger issues. So planning issues are not a local government issue. That's a state government no. issue. And it just becomes complicated and it takes a long time to steer the Titanic around yeah. so that we can... That's showing your age, mm. the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, it, it just, it's, it's slow in some yep. cases to, to get action. Even when the will is there, it still takes a while. Yeah, to it's a, well, achieve. governments move slowly and yeah. they sometimes suffer from paralysis. Yeah. But, you know, I do notice when I voted for the local council, I did read all the little resume on each person and they all sounded so green. I'm thinking, yes. out of the 12 of them, which one of you is the developer? Because, you know, they just hide it amongst all the green. That's right. But they do seem a really green group. Which they are. And that's why I think if with our current council, if we can't affect change, then I don't know how we can. So it's definitely Now's a good time. time to get involved. Now's the time. And thanks listeners for listening and all your future support. This episode was brought to you by Nichemark, your right-hand team for digital marketing, social media and podcasting. Thinking of starting a podcast? You do the talking, we do the tech. Contact Nichemark to get started. Mm-hmm.